From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. The choice is between normal, Natalie Cheel, or crazy. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, this is TNT. Uh, today's news talk. This is the open line show. Natalie Chill, Gemma Cooper, myself, Blake Lovewell, and Jim Ferguson, all about to be squeezed sardine like into the next 56 minutes of broadcasting live and uncensored here from the Gold Coast in Australia. And of course, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and whatever you're doing, we hope it's nice. We hope you enjoy this little segment that we have for you today. I was going to say prepared. But we don't really prepare. We just brace ourselves and then we embark on the roller coaster ride that is open line. So, of course, the lines will be open uh, for the last 20 odd minutes of the show. Phone numbers are on the website, tntradio.live. Feel free to give us a call. Leave your thoughts, comments, suggestions, ideas, opinions, links, etc. on the live chat. And without any further ado, I'm going to dive right into it. Natalie, uh, a great, fantastic news story this morning from Elon Musk, absolutely overjoyed to hear this. He said the first human received an implant from Neuralink yesterday and is recovering well. Initial results show promising neuron spike detection. Well, that first human is a brave soul indeed, after all the monkeys that were tortured, terrorized, brutalized, mutilated and died Horrible, painful deaths. Must have been a brave human who lined up for Neuralink. Do you think they even know what they've got themselves into? Well, I'm presuming uh, uh, he's doing it under the uh, guise of saying that it's to help him and he's got a neurological condition, I'm I'm, I'm presuming. Uh, But it's just one step closer to everybody having uh, the microchip or something else put inside them, isn't it? Uh, I, well, I, rather than moving forward, is it not hope <laughs> moving backwards possibly? Well, you'll be glad to know that apparently one of the things that the Neuralink chip can do is it can stop a runny nose. So by the end of this week, if your cold hasn't cleared up, you have been signed up. You don't know about this yet. This is live breaking story on our You will okay. be wheeled out to California to get your little chip to stop your nose running. But this is what they, it's actually called, believe it or not, he's calling it telepathy. So they've branded this product telepathy. And this is what the maker says, uh, as in the maker of telepathy. He said it enables control of your phone or computer just by thinking about it. Uh, Initial users will be those who have lost the use of their limbs. As you say, he's marketing this to people as a a wonderful cure for sickness, blindness, disease, etc. And then he said, imagine if Stephen Hawking could communicate faster than a speed typist or auctioneer. That's the goal. And somebody in his comment said it wouldn't have stopped Stephen Hawking going to Epstein's Island, though, would it? So maybe uh, <laughs> using Hawking as a as a, a poster boy for Neuralink slash telepathy wasn't such a smart idea. Wow. I, I, I don't even know what, 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 what to say in regards to the Elon Musk dramas. Uh, he... he... <laughs> He's trying to come across, isn't he? And that's what he's done with uh, Twitter X as as the as the savior. And and he's selling this same idea, isn't he? He's the savior. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna be the ultimate doctor. He's gonna 
fix all neurological conditions. He might fix blindness, but really, uh, I don't think that's the, that's the idea. I think it's it, it's more to to well a level of control, just as yeah. X is doing in another way. Yeah. Mate, and mate I'm, is the and, operative and got, word here, Natalie. Mate, is, way, oh, you've got, got, I've you've got, got your my, neuralink, I've got that. Neuralink so, so, tissue. So in case, this is my in case, in case uh, yeah, Elon Musk wants to come and put a, uh, a a chip in me to stop my runny nose. I've got a tissue instead, Elon. Okay, I'll be okay. You know, I have. Uh, I'm. I'm having a small chuckle here. Our chum Didi Denslow, as you know, is a big. Well, he doesn't like me saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. He's a big Musk fanboy, but even his he bubbles is. starting to pop a little bit. He commented on this: "I'm living in a movie." Dot dot dot. And then, of course, Musk has came out adamantly defending the American moon landing program. Says it's absolutely not fake. It's absolutely 100% legitimate. So I think he's put our Darren into a little tailspin of sorts, which makes me chuckle. I'm no watching him boy. squirm, watching him squirm a little bit, but he'll be on the show next week and I'm going to grill him uh, over these latest developments. But as per now, I've got to take a brief pause and we shall waft Gemma Cooper in stage left and she can give us her thoughts on this too, uh, you know, without even thinking, as the case may be, here on TNT, today's news talk. Going 360 on the headlines. It's really well-balanced conversation. Today's news talk radio, TNT. TNT. Gemma, this word might, might is bandied about an awful lot to justify things like we're going to do this because this might happen. We're going to attack this country because this might happen. We're going to put a chip in your brain because it might stop the blind from being blind and it might enable the lame to walk. You know, I could come up with a cure for blindness that might work. It could involve bashing people over the head with a brick. It might work, but it, I wouldn't get away with stuff like that, would I? Let alone take the top off their skull, drill a little hole in their brain and then stick one of my little Neuralink implants in there. How's this guy getting away with this after he killed all the monkeys? Well, he's not the first. Um, it's funny, I was discussing this story at length with Sonia Poulton uh, at seven o'clock UK time this morning, where as the headlines began to sort of seep out as a reaction to what, what he's done. Um, and I found a very interesting factoid about brain implants in humans. And it actually happened, it's been happening for quite some time. And there's a company based in Utah in America that first did this in 2004. And do you know the name of this company? Black Rock Neurotech. No surprise mm. there, all the big players. So Musk isn't doing anything different, but it's Musk doing it. And that's what's generating all these headlines. Uh, and of course, on the one hand, he says we've got to be completely terrified about the threat of AI. And on the other, he's he's merging us with with computers, you know, and you don't mm. even literally don't have to lift a finger. So which one is it, Elon? And I think here we have a classic case of gaslighting. Uh, he says one thing, he does another. We, we don't really know. And he's a very divisive figure, I think, it, it, certainly within the freedom movement for that reason, too. Some people love him. Some people are very suspicious and then interesting to hear what you say about Darren there. He, even he's now, oh, this is a bit too far for even me. So what the truth of Elon Musk is, I don't know. But the truth is that this technology exists. Uh, it's existed for a long time. This is a kind of a new way of using it, a new kind of with the threads that connect to the chip and then the chip interacts with the app. Then, the, then you can have this dialogue with your computer. I think the main mm -hmm. thing with this one, Rick, is that, yes, you can you can influence the computer, but when will what will happen if the computer can influence you? You know, it must be a two-way dialogue between this technology, otherwise it wouldn't work. So that's that's where we need to be very suspicious indeed with what's gone on with this brain chip technology. 
You know, I've tried my own experimentation in the past, merging with things. I've tried to merge with my socks, okay? So I've been known to have socks on for two to three weeks at a time. And after that period of time, they stink horribly. And I really badly want to remove them or scrape them or peel them away from my body and put them into the washing machine. How bad would it be if not like you and I or Gemma and I and you, we were all connected to this perpetual computer state and there literally is no way to hit the standby button there is no way to log off because this thing becomes permanently implanted uh, within you it's a horrible thought that's one of the good things about technology is even though you love it or hate it there does come a point where you say i can't start that screen anymore i can't deal with that social media anymore i just want to detach and go for a walk that would no longer be possible uh with the Neuralink implant but I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts and opinions on that one, ladies. Uh, Gemma, you have a story for us here concerning uh, Mr. Khan, ex-Pakistani uh, Prime Minister Imran Khan. What's he been up to? Well, he's, uh, it's been announced today, just in the last few hours, that Imran Khan, who's already in prison uh, for serving a three-year jail term in Pakistan after being convicted of what the Pakistani state is calling corruption, he's now been sentenced for a further 10 years in jail today for allegedly leaking state secrets. Now, this all blew up um, uh, last year when he was convicted of corruption. Allegedly, he didn't disclose uh, money that he'd received from selling state gifts when he was in office. So they they put this corruption charge on him and they, they arrested him and then they put him in prison in August last year. When they arrested him, he said, this is a plot. This is a politically motivated plot by the American government uh, because of my position on Russia and China and my links and my policies about Russia and China. The US government wants to take me down. That's when they said, you've been leaking state secrets. They charged him with this. That's what he's been sentenced for today. Um, and, and because of allegedly a telegram was sent uh, by the Pakistani ambassador in Washington to Khan, which said the US government wants to take you down. And so when he said this in public, uh, they said that was a secret telegram. You shouldn't have said anything. The telegram exists, but apparently he shouldn't have made it public. Uh, the America has said, no, 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 there's no plot to take down Imran Khan. Um, so today they've said he shouldn't have said what he said. Uh, it was leaking state secrets and a further 10 years in Pakistani jail. Now, we have the elections in Pakistan coming up on February the 8th. Uh, Imran Khan was the leader of the PTI party, a party he founded way back in 1996, which he says would have made Pakistan fair for everyone redistribute wealth, take the power away from the military, uh, which I don't think the military liked very much, although there are allegations that he got into power in the first place because he had a good relationship with the military. Um, so uh, lots of his supporters, of which there are many, many in Pakistan, a country of 240 million, uh, came out in, in full force when he was first arrested last year. Uh, the army arrested loads of people, said they were going to try them in a military court. They really are clamping down on the PTI party ahead of the elections, uh, which some are saying today is why he's received this 10-year jail sentence uh, right before people go to the ballot box. Uh, the, the Pakistani top court was already clamped down on the PTI party in terms of its voting power. Uh, there are a lot of people in Pakistan who are illiterate um, and they were, they were going to the ballot box looking for the cricket bat symbol on the party's insignia. Uh, the court has now taken the cricket bat symbol away so people literally don't know who to vote for if they can't read or write. So it's a hugely diversive issue. It's got shades of Trump in here. He is saying that this is all completely politically motivated because he was trying to create a new Pakistan, a free Pakistan. 
Pakistan. That's what his supporters believe. Some say he's just power mad and corrupt. Um, it, it, I, you know, I don't know enough about Pakistani culture to know which side of the fence to go on with this one. And we shouldn't be taking a judgment on it. Um, but certainly ahead of the elections, they seem to be clamping down. And he continues to campaign from jail for the PTI party using AI technology, as we were just talking about AI, um, because he's not allowed to speak directly to his supporters. But he's still urging people to go to the polls on the 8th and vote for any PTI party member, even if they're standing as an independent. So, yeah, it's a it's a huge story, huge story in, uh, in for Pakistan. And also, you know, for, for the rest of us, we talked about whistleblowers yesterday, didn't we, Rick, about Julian Assange still being in prison, uh, David McBride in Australia facing prison. Um, and, you know, Khan re revealing the, the contents of this secret telegram saying America wants to take me down. No one's denying the telegram exists. They're saying he shouldn't have said it. And for that, he's languishing in jail for the next 10 years. He's appealing everything. He's saying it's all political. It's because he's got too much support. This story will certainly run and run, especially when the elections come up on February the 8th. Well, Natalie, we were talking uh, yesterday to um, Nick Dunn. We had him unlocked and loaded, uh, or sorry, open line last week. I had him back on yesterday to talk about his experience in an uh, Indian prison. He spent about four years banged up in an Indian prison. He, he wrote a book about it, uh, a beautifully titled Surviving Hell. I can only imagine what it's like uh, waking up as an ex Prime Minister, the top dog in Pakistan. All of a sudden, you're waking up in a Pakistani prison. I don't know if he's got any favorable treatment over there, but by all accounts, uh, it's not a nice place to spend time, let alone 10 years, possibly, on top of the two to three years that he's already got. Uh, it kind of puts a little bit of perspective on things. At least I usually wake up if I have a bad day and I think, at least I'm not stuck in a third world prison, unlike poor old Khan. Uh, he has to wake up with that possibility for the next 10 years plus. I mean, he was a huge celebrity. I remember him as an actual cricketer, um, you know, getting married to a model. And, and I, I'm, I'm presuming he might get some special treatment in prison or maybe it's completely <laughs> well, the opposite. He'll get special treatment, all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's the whistleblowers, isn't it? We actually, just, I'm sure we said this yesterday on Open Line, that it really is the whistleblowers that seem to be getting the worst, the worst possible treatment that you can have. And uh, mm -hmm. the people who are really corrupt, they seem to be getting away with it. That That's the sad state of affairs globally at the moment, Mm. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it's, it looks like from uh, the background on this story that the military run Pakistan, they clamped down on, on all of the people that took to the streets to support Khan uh, in terms of protesting. Uh, and since then, there have been reluctance from his supporters to to show support publicly for Khan because, you know, to be uh, to be tried in a military court as a civilian, I'm not even sure that's actually legal on the global stage. And he's certainly campaigners have said, no, if you're going to try them, you try them as civilians, you know, for for protesting. And but the army is saying, no, they stormed army buildings. Buildings, we're gonna we're gonna make a, make an example of them. What storming an army building means, I don't know. Did they just try and open a window? Try and open a door? We all heard about storming the capital. It turned out to be anything but. You know, so the establishment is very very fearful. It seems of Khan and the level of support that he's got. And the minute he says anything that you know. Could be true, could not be true. It's allegations. He's been convicted, you know. But he said, you know, this is a plot by America to oust me. Um, America said, no, it's not. But they put him in prison anyway. So which one is it? If the plot doesn't mm. exist and he's saying the plot exists and it's not true, it's not true. It's not true. So we don't need to worry about it. So it, it's, yeah, he's, he's a man of the people from his cricketing success. You're quite right there, Natalie. Celebrity turned politician, plenty of those. Um, but he did come into politics with the aim of making Pakistan fair and redistributing wealth. That was what he, he said his aim was. Um, the establishment maybe 
didn't like that. They don't want 240 million people having a good standard of living and then being able to concentrate on other things like who's in charge of us and what the hell are you making us do with our lives? You know, the classic thing, keep people fearful, keep people hungry. They won't stand up to the system. Well, he's certainly uh, going to find it difficult to mount any resistance where he is at the minute. But, you know, who knows what the future holds for Imran. Can, or, or Imran, maybe he'll get out again, maybe he won't. Uh, but thank you either way uh, for bringing us that story, Gemma. Much appreciated. And we'll talk again in the next hour. We've got to take a break as per right now. But please stay tuned. Blake Lovewell is incoming into TNT Towers. And he'll join us after the break here on TNT Today's News Talk. TNT's Mark Morano. This just in. We have a new way that's proven effective in dealing with climate protesters who deign to block highways, streets, and other public areas. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this appears to be the most effective way. We have a uh, we have a field shot, a correspondent on the scene. Let's go to clip four and take a look at how to deal with climate protesters when they block your way on your morning commute. I don't want to see protests shut down, but obviously when you're blocking traffic and you're doing that, you need to be dealt with. I thought this was a great vigilante way of dealing with it. Mark Morano on today's News Talk TNT. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, so unless you have had your head in the sand or in a rock or somewhere else dark and nasty, uh, you won't have escaped some of the headlines that are coming out uh, from the Middle East, especially over the last 
two days, uh, one of which in particular, there's a mega bomb waiting to explode in the Middle East. Biden must not like to fuse. Biden faces pivotal moment as he weighs uh, retaliation for soldier deaths in Jordan drone attack and on and on it goes. And here today to talk about uh, this and other areas uh, of the Middle East, we have Blake Lovewell. Uh, he's based in London. He's a writer and a commentator specializing in geopolitics and also finance. And he's a contributor to 21st Century Welcome back to TNT, Blake Lovewell. How are you today? Thanks. Yeah, um, a pleasure to be with you and Natalie today. Um, sorry, there's not more good news. I know we like to put a positive spin on things too, but yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, Yemen may not be doing so well, but I mean, uh, they're doing pretty well. If if you uh, kind of look at the statistics, they uh, have been uh, ruthlessly um, bombed by the Saudi-led coalition, um, which is pretty much the US, the UK, along with a few other apparatchiks um, for about a decade now. Um, consistently being um, carpet bombed, all sorts of war crimes being committed against the Yemeni people. And they still have this ability to um, uh, boycott Israeli shipping or to actually um, stop it by um, harassing and haranguing it with um, piecemeal military uh, equipment, you know, um, cheap drones, uh, cheap radio equipment, and kind of um, being the Lilliputians to uh, the Goliath of the US Imperium. Um, and so, yeah, it's a very interesting time. And uh, yeah, like like you say, we've had announcements from the US official declarations of war against um, Yemen uh, or what they call the Houthis, which is actually the Ansar Allah movement. We can go into the um, to the weeds there about that later. But um, it's kind of yeah a pivotal time because um, open declarations of war are a lot more serious than the kind of background um, uh, illegal uh acts of war that the US usually commits because that when the US uh, declares war normally in a Middle Eastern country that means they'll move in, they'll put military bases, they'll continue uh, bleeding uh, American citizens uh, troops lives uh, for about a decade um, for no good reason so um, we'll see if that's going to happen here. Mm. And, and also uh, Yemen is somewhere that you know people have been aware of what what's been going on there. Some people have been aware of what's going on there for quite some time now, but it's one of those uh, moments whereby it's being almost introduced onto the world stage for many people that didn't even know it existed. Like, for example, Ukraine did in uh, February mm. of 2022. That was almost two years ago. Before that, no one knew what their flag yeah. looked like. No one knew who exactly. Vladimir Zelensky was. No one knew anything about it. But all of a sudden, Yemen's taking center stage for all the wrong reasons. What must it be like uh, living in that place uh, over the last few years with the bombardment that's going on there? We talk about the cost of living crisis here, not mm. like in the UK, and about how we're getting squeezed. And you can testify to this as well, Blake. How much hellish, more hellish would it be if you're trying to eke out Living, living, living in Yemen. Here, here, yes, and I fully agree. No one knew the Ukrainian flag. Uh, it was a niche interest. I mean, uh, there, there are parallels too because um, Ukraine had their uh, coup and color, uh, second color revolution in 2014. Uh, Yemen in 2014 was fomenting, uh, and by 2015, early 2015, they had uh, 
Saudi Arabia full scale uh, bombing uh, the country. And, you know, uh, that was the beginning of war crimes. And there's a litany of war crimes. And it must be stated, um, these are egregious war crimes, bombing civilian areas, schools, hospitals, you know, exactly the same stuff as you see in Israel committing in Gaza um, has been going on in Yemen for 10 years. And there was in 2015, some galvanization of public support for Yemen you know, oh, maybe the UK shouldn't be doing so much to help Saudi Arabia bomb children in Yemen. Maybe the outbreak of cholera, which should be an extinct disease, uh, shouldn't um, happen on, you know, the world's watch uh, whilst we stand on the sidelines, umming and ahhing and not able to stop Saudi Arabia. But it really isn't Saudi Arabia in 2014 and 15. It was um, Saudi Arabia in every in name only. Uh, the Saudi foreign minister once said that um, the, they weren't allowed to make any decisions. They weren't even allowed to see the list of targets it was us and uk uh, military intelligence running uh, the whole operation from saudi arabia um and so you'd think that by now they would be bombed into the dust, but um, evidently not. The uh, Ansar Allah movement is incredibly popular in Yemen. Um, it's also very successful militarily. It's It's been a real thorn in the side of the multi-billion dollar um, uh, enterprise that is Saudi Arabia. Uh, and they've been un un unable to do it. And now it's being a thorn in the side of the US and the UK, who are kind of their power projection has been uh, stymied. Um, what is it like to live in Yemen? I mean, we can only get uh, because there is total blockade of Yemen and has been for a long time. Um, there is rampant poverty. I mean, 10 years ago or nine years ago, sorry, 2015, when we were looking at the uh, Yemen conflict in the West uh, for the, you know, one of the first times, I mean, let's uh, praisey this by saying Yemen was a British colony or areas of Yemen were British colonies, the only Br Arab British colony mm -hmm. uh, for over 130, 129 years. Um, so once Britain got rid of Yemen or Yemen left the British, the UK in, in 1967, there was a power vacuum and then, you know, various forces were vying for, for control. Um, after the civil war in 1990, it was unified. And then the, uh, Houthi movement, uh, led by Al Houthi, which is is actually the Ansar Allah movement then uh, kind of came as a response to Iraq in 2003 and part of this pan-Arabic uprising. So that's kind of a brief history of where, how we got to today. Um, but the Ansar Allah movement is very popular despite it, um, you know, kind of in the West appearing like another ISIS or another Al-Qaeda. They actually uh, wiped out Al-Qaeda who were being funded and supported by Saudi Arabia in Yemen. Um, so it's a really complex miasma politically. And uh, yeah. the, the Ansar Allah movement run up to 25 media publications you know it's it's a state in everything but name it's not being recognized just like palestine because it's not in the arab uprising team not on team america you know well the, here's the thing <clears throat> you know it's not a it's not a positive from the conflict that's going on down there but at least attention is being drawn into that area as per now and uh, the spotlight at least is being shown on to Yemen, along with other areas in that region that are traditionally overlooked in favour of, you know, more mainstream news stories. So massive thanks to you this morning uh, for coming on and just uh, giving us a little bit of a background about what the, you know, the history in that area has been, at least in the in near terms, and also uh, some of the potential uh, conflict hotspots that are going to happen in and around the Middle East. Inevitably, I don't want to say it, but it's inevitable. There's going to be an escalation down there uh, at some mm. point in 2024. So Mr. Blake Lovewell, you can check him out by the way, uh, is a website, Blake Lovewell, L-O-V-E-W-E-L-L.com. -E -E -L -L and he also writes 
for 21st Century Wire. Big thanks to you this morning for joining us. We've got to take uh, news headlines right now. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Jim Ferguson. So please don't go away. Stay tuned to the one and only TNT, today's news talk. Now, news, news, news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. A woman who was awarded $83 million after suing Donald Trump for denying he sexually assaulted her has vowed to do whatever she can to stop him from becoming president again. The White House press secretaries come under fire for claiming three US soldiers killed in the Middle East died fighting for the Biden administration rather than for the country they serve. And North Korea's launched another salvo of cruise missiles off its coast amid heightened tensions with South Korea, Japan and the US. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Go for it, Nat. Welcome back to the show. Joining us now is Jim Ferguson. You can follow him at Jim Ferguson UK on X. He's a former parliamentary candidate with the Brexit Party in Barnsley, a businessman, entrepreneur and founder of the Freedom Train International. Uh, he's here to talk about the global pharma protests. Of course, there is a massive uprising in France at the moment. Jim, can you give us an update? What's going on with those demonstrations? What's going on in France at the moment? Well, good morning. Uh, lovely to be here with you guys again. It's unprecedented. It's just quite incredible what we're witnessing in France right now, but not just in France, of course, because it's happening all across the European continent. I think I've counted something like 13 to 14 different nation states with farmers protesting at one level or another. And Germany, of course, has been leading the way there. Prior to them, Holland was, of course, with massive farmer demonstrations. But what we're witnessing in France is a real pushback against globalists and globalist policies that are harming the farming industry. Seven routes into Paris are being blocked. Macron has just deployed armoured vehicles to try to break the blockade. Uh, but the problem that he's got is that he's up against some very heavy machinery and that's going to prove very difficult. These are not just normal people that can be pushed aside. They've got the gear to push them aside. And if he starts to get difficult with them, the whole country could erupt because these farmers have got massive support from the French people. Yeah. And they tried to offer them some concessions originally, didn't they? But the farmers have uh, already said, no, it's not good enough, is it? Well, they have. And, and at the end of the day, these concessions just don't go far enough. I mean, what's been going on actually for some time now is that they have been using uh, the sort of fake climate change narrative and are actually starting to blame the farmers for climate change. They're net zero, uh, carbon reducing, nitrogen reducing uh, quotas are very, very harmful to the farming industry. And of course, the farmers are not the problem. They are, in fact, the solution. They are the custodians of the land. They've done it for generations. But we've seen the globalists attacking them in Holland. They've tried to put 3,000 of them off their farms using all sorts of ridiculous excuses. It's my opinion and the opinion of a growing number of people around the world that the globalists are simply trying to corner the food market. Perhaps they want us to eat bugs after all. They don't want us to eat meat and they don't want people being independent with their food supplies. Yeah, and they don't want us to hear about it either. I mean, um, apart from going on X, where you can see lots of videos of what's happening, uh, you, you struggle to find it in the legacy mainstream media, don't you? Actually seeing about these protests. They, they, you know, it's it's an article right down the paper or, or somewhere online. They don't want us to know about it, do they? 
No, they don't, because the, the, the mainstream media are in large part bought and funded by people like Bill Gates, George Soros and other globalist entities like that. Uh, it's thanks to TNT radio and it's thanks to independent media that we're actually getting the truth out. So they've tried to heavily censor it. Censor it. Sky News weren't reporting on it. The BBC weren't reporting on it. I, I, still, I still think they're not reporting on it because they've been lent on by Klaus Schwab and his, his friends and the globalist uh, orders to say, we don't want this to spread. But they failed because it is spreading, it is going international. And believe it or not, what we're seeing in the United States with thousands of truckers heading to the Texas border to enforce their border controls is also in large part due to what's happening in Europe because large scale illegal immigration is another tool that the globalists are using to weaken and destabilize sovereign national countries and states. And they're doing that because they want a one world global order that they control. They don't want independent, free thinking countries. Yeah, absolutely. With this global uprising, Rick, uh, do you think Macron in the end, uh, if the uh, French farmers continue to protest, will he have to concede in the end? You know know what these uh, these leaders are like? They don't back that. They don't want to be seen to be backing down an inch. You know, they effectively double down in their positions. It's got echoes of the Canadian truckers protest in Ottawa, uh, which was two years ago, almost uh, to the the month. Uh, It was February 2022 that that happened. You look at the way uh, Trudeau treated those guys who did have popular opinion behind them. In the most part, there was a lot of people behind them, but they were freezing bank accounts, suspending their commercial vehicles licensing, making their lives hell, threatening them with jail. He doubled down and used the so-called Emergency Provisions Act. I think maybe uh, Jim and Natalie, what we could see happening over the next few days is Macron invoking some kind of national security threat measure because the rhetoric is very interesting here. It says here farmers are promising to besiege the capital uh, in the dispute over regulations. And then the comeback to that was very interestingly, uh, the government has said that they would be crossing a red line uh, with these tractor protests. But in effect, is it not because their red line was crossed by the government that they're having to cross the government's red line with the besiege, besieging of Paris? It's a very interesting uh, setup here, and I think it's just going to build and build in intensity and momentum over the next uh, week or so. And indeed, that's quite absolutely correct. In fact, uh, Freedom Train uh, International is heading to Ireland, you might be interested to hear, Mm. uh, this coming weekend. And I'm going to be out there on the streets with the people in Ireland listening to what they've got to say about the problems of large mass uh, illegal immigration and the pressures that's been put on them by Leo Varadkar. He was another World Economic Forum devotee and, and cultist. Uh, But yeah, Freedom Train International supports the farmers worldwide. We are a freedom movement. We are also a resistance movement, non-violent, peaceful, but we believe in total non-compliance. If the globalists are going to start attacking our farmers and our food industry and other aspects of our lives, we are going to have to rise and we're going to have to push back against them. And if we do it together as a, as a world, uh, they don't really stand much chance. We've got serious numbers of people on our side. And what we're witnessing in, in France, Macron, if he does go down the route of Canada, and you're quite correct to point that out, I think he could end up in serious trouble. Remember, the French have a history of dealing with dictators and we know what they're capable of. Absolutely. And we've seen uh, just before you go, uh, Jim, that um, it seems to be okay to blockade the road if you're protesting for something like Just Stop Oil. But uh, if you're protesting for something against uh, against their narrative, then suddenly it's an emergency situation. 
Absolutely right. And it's just double standards. And that's what people are sick and tired of. Uh, everybody wants fair treatment. The law should be applied equally. There shouldn't be two tier justice systems in this country or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Thank you again, Jim, for your time. Uh, hopefully we can come back on and uh, we'll come with more good news. Uh, don't forget, you can follow uh, Jim at X at Jim Ferguson UK. We've got to take a break now and there's lots more stories to cover here at TNT Today's News Talk. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Over the weekend, U.S. troops were once again victimized by Iranian-backed thugs who bombed an airbase in Iraq, injuring U.S. soldiers. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby went on ABC over the weekend and poo-pooed the whole thing. Well, as we understand at this early hour on Sunday morning, it's only a very small number of uh, U.S. troops that were affected. Uh, they're being seen for traumatic brain injuries uh, with uh, some symptoms of concussions, but no serious uh, physical injuries other than that. Not that that's not serious enough. Of course it is. Uh, but uh, we understand it's a small number and, and it's limited to uh, traumatic brain injuries. Is he kidding me? And what's next, Mr. Kirby? Are we going to bomb the heck out of them to make sure they never do this again? Obviously, we're going to do what we have to do to protect them. I mean, these attacks have to stop. Uh, and we've made that very clear. We're going to continue to, to take uh, the kinds of actions we need uh, to better defend ourselves. I would note that uh, one reason why uh, th there weren't uh, more injuries or more extensive damage was because uh, we we have taken necessary force protection precautions in the region to try to, to, try to prepare for these kinds of attacks. <laughs> Some message to our enemies, huh? This is as disgraceful as it gets. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14, and I watched her struggle. But MDA helped her get the best treatments and care. And they also help kids like my buddy Ethan. My name is Ethan and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me. For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at MDA.org today. The conversation continues with Rick Munn and Natalie Cheel on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. Okay, this is TNT, today's news talk, open line. The lines are now open, you'll be glad to hear. So whatever you're doing, you know, you can drop it right now. Put the iron down, put the ironing board down, put the TV remote down, do whatever you're going to do. Uh, get up off the toilet, uh, give yourself a clean and come out and give us a call if that's what you want to do. Or you could stay on the toilet. I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Just don't be making any uh, toilet noises if you do decide to come on live on air. Why does our conversations always end up gravitating oh, I don't know. It's this. Maybe it's a subliminal thing. I don't know. But anyway, uh, the lines are open. So uh, the numbers are on the website, tntradio.live. If you feel like it, 
uh, give us a call. Otherwise, just sit back, kick back, and just enjoy the pure entertainment stream that's going to be emanating forth from Natalie and myself. Natalie, a little bit serious here. The Scottish so-called COVID inquiry is ongoing at the minute. Uh, we had a testimony yesterday uh, from a carer called Alina Duncan. So Alina was unable to see her husband, Jim, for 17 weeks 17 weeks during lockdown, he was in a care home. They had four lockdowns. He sadly passed away with dementia on the 25th of August, 2022, following end-of-life care. And her statement was, I really don't think there were GPs going into the home much at all. Uh, she said, if the residents only had a year to live, I'm sure they would have wanted to see their families, even if that shortened their life. They all replied, yes, they would. What horrors were perpetrated non-violent you know they weren't smashed over the heads with bricks but in a way the psychological trauma and the separation of families dying relatives from their loved ones at the point of death in care homes for periods of months and months at a time is that not uh torture and inhumane treatment of human beings well, I also think it put the figures up as well, because everybody knows that uh, your mental health will affect your physical health. So for those people already in care homes, uh, they, they, they gave up. Uh, and, and we know those figures for COVID and the care home deaths contributed massively uh, to what they were calling was COVID deaths. But I actually don't think it was like in this case. You know, he went so far down in those 17 weeks, it almost brought on his death anyway. And that wasn't mm -hmm. to do with COVID. It was to do with not seeing his not seeing his wife, not seeing his family. You know, uh, the big thing that she said, in my opinion, the Scottish government and the care home management should have considered quality of life life not quantity and that to me was the biggest statement you know mm -hmm. what's the point in someone living an extra year if that year is in absolute pain and misery yeah. i wouldn't want that we wouldn't even treat pets like that and we were nope. treating human beings like that it's absolutely mm -hmm. disgraceful rick it is and one of the things that she actually said as well natalie just to round this one up she said in the early in the early days of lockdown i constantly complained i begged i threatened with lawyers just to see my husband. So threatening a care home with law just to see your husband, begging them and pleading with them to see your nearest and dearest. Uh, I knew from my phone calls to staff, he was declining. He had gone from a happy, healthy person, apart from the dementia, to a frail, elderly looking man who was almost permanently in bed, except for toilet visits. I think the care home lost about 20 residents to, quote, COVID, unquote, a lot died during that lockdown. So the lockdowns effectively were killing these people uh, hand over fist, uh, let alone COVID or COVID or the scam demic or call it what you want. And how tragic is it that people were having to go and stand outside the home looking through windows at their loved ones while the nurses were standing with them, wheeling them around and closing the curtains in some cases. Uh, unbelievable that this happened at any point in history, let alone two years ago. I mean, and it works both ways. It's just absolutely horrific for the poor person who was involved and they couldn't see their family. But how the family actually have to deal with that? You know, I had to go uh, last week and say goodbye to my nan. I don't know how I would be able to process that grief if I'd have been told, no, you can't go see her. She, she's going to die alone. How, how, do, how do the families 
but actually process that. You know, this poor lady, Elena Duncan, who gave the video, she didn't get to see her husband for 17 weeks. And then, and then he passed away. How do, how do you grieve that? How do you ever move on? Uh, you know, I, I, I just can't get my head around it. And then, and then we're just supposed to say, oh, it was saving lives. Whose lives were they saving? These people were in a care home anyway, because they were so ill. Taking their uh, families away from them and their visits is possibly the most torturous thing I would imagine that you could have done to them. And they would have rather died anyway. And imagine too, watching the, the workers traipsing in and out of the care home every day, having just been maybe to do their shopping, having yeah. just been with their own families, while you're being prevented from entering the same care home to see your own flesh and blood in some cases, while they just waltz in and out and then close the blinds. I've seen one time a woman was banging on the window in frustration. She said, my mom's sick, my mom's dying, my mom's going downhill. And you know what the worker did? She just walked over and closed the blinds and the woman was left outside frustrated, banging on the window. She closed the blinds while she wheeled her mother away. I just can't even begin to imagine uh, what that's like and the fury and anger that 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 would generate in people, but this is what happened, and this is what happened hand over fist right across the UK and Ireland and the world uh, during those mad, mad years. It's hard to believe it it's needs, only three years ago, isn't it? Yeah, and it needs pointing out that they are covering this up. This same mm. Scottish uh, COVID inquiry, the same as uh, the England one, they're not really doing anything about it. You know, th th this isn't really making the front pages of the mainstream newspapers. This was a video that we happened to see on social media. It's still being covered up and it probably would like like the post office scandal it probably won't be 20 years till till that till the mainstream media really fully address it and by then it, it, the damage is done and nothing can be nothing can be done but we will try as much as we can here on today's news talk on tnt to actually you know bring these real stories to light because it's not happening in the legacy media and you know what the worst thing is? You see, if they do get to that point in 20 years, you know what they'll say? They'll say, we must make sure that this it never, never happens, happens again. again. But in the 20 years in between, it will have happened again multiple times. And in their inquiries 20 years from now, they'll say, we must make sure that this never happens never. again. Unbelievable. Even the Irish COVID inquiry, by the way, they have said that before it happens, before it happens, they said there will be no pointing the finger or blaming anyone. It's just a review. It's not even a, an inquiry. They don't like the word inquiry in Ireland because it sounds like somebody's oh. under investigation. They've already yeah, said exactly. there it will be no like, prosecutions, yeah. no prosecutions. No one will be found guilty of anything. We're just examining what we did. Imagine that. Before the thing even starts, they're telling people there'll be nobody uh, punished as a result of this. Well, exactly. Is it? And then the COVID inquiry. Some uh, what, I can't remember who it was. It was it was it Savage Javid? Did he get a, a, a did he get a MBE or something oh, at yeah. the same he time? The inquiry was going on. something out of it, you know. Yeah. So don't worry, we're investigating you for a crime, but we'll knight you at the same time. That shows yeah. you how important the COVID inquiry is, you know. So uh, yeah, it's it's not an investigation. This is is you may as well just call it COVID cover up. I think maybe we should just don't even bother calling an inquiry here anymore. COVID cover-up yeah. is what exactly it is. COVID cover-up is right. Uh, there's another uh, story that we have here as well. We'll just try and squeeze a few more in before the top of the hour. Uh, Germany. Germany, you know, the old pioneers <laughs> in efficiency and ruthless effectiveness. Uh, they have begun a four-day working week trial as the sick man of Europe, as they're referred to. Uh, Egan 
economically uh, battles to revive its struggling economy. So four-day working week uh, sounds wonderful. Several German companies will give their employees one extra day off a week while still paying them full salary uh you know uh, obviously the uh, i would expect they're expected to do 100 percent of the work in 80 percent of the time or maybe they're just told to chill out just stay at home an extra day a week we'll pay you anyway <laughs> it's not exactly well, going to incentivize hard labor is it well apparently it says uh, that germany's got the worst uh sick record uh workers missed 21.3 work days in 2022 and they'll uh, still miss you, them but they'll still miss them they'll get but their day claiming, off a week and still take 21 days a year off that's not yeah but they're mean. claiming this is the claims that unions are claiming it's because they're overworked so if you give them an extra day off sickness is going to go down um it would make them more productive uh happier and healthy um and a four-day week uh could result in a drop in uh costly absences due to stress illness and burnout well i think it's just an absolute load of rubbish um the, uh, apparently these trials have been done before in us and canada and guess what they had to all switch back to a five-day week so uh this trial what do you think can happen in germany uh not as much work will get done and they'll go oh no you've got to come back to work but if you want i'm i'm up for it if mike ryan wants to do a four-day week i'm not complaining i'm not complaining if you even if you even suggest it right do you know what he'll do he'll make you work a six-day week so don't even bring (laughs) it up all right don't even suggest going to four days a week or you'll be up to six possibly seven uh maybe even eight they'll create an eighth day (laughs) and just for badness and make you work on it so i think uh (laughs) you can't make me laugh i cough too much (laughs) (laughs) with this business as well right uh they're saying here about burnout managing burnout and stress listen I, I understand that when you take a job on with an employer, you're duty bound to get, you get bank holidays, you get public holidays, you get statutory holidays, you probably get the weekend off and you get annual leave on top of that. Those things are used to recharge and recuperate your batteries. The last job that I was in actually, or my leave, the, one of the things I you know, miss about my last job was the leave because I'd been there for over 10 years. We got 30 days a year annual leave plus statutory holidays, which was another 12, and I could work up flexi time days off to a month. Hell spells, not like I could have took six months off in the year and actually got paid for it. I thought I was on the pig's back, hated the job, but the perks were good. It makes you realize, you know, these things are there for a reason. It's to stop people from skiving off, you know, give them good breaks, give them good incentives, but it's not enough for Germany. No, they want to go down to the four-day week, and I don't think it's going to make any difference because people are chancers, and if a chancer sees an opportunity to get an extra day off a week and take sick pay, they're going to do both. They ain't going to repent and uh, change their ways. They're just going to keep milking. We've discussed this before on the show, but um, I was brought up not to have a sick day, as you can tell, as I'm with my snotty nose this morning. Um, and um, yeah, I went to work and I was really shocked when people were like, oh, yeah, I've worked out. You can get 20 days off sick. So I just take them as my holiday. You know, there are a lot of people that look into as many sick days as you can have and they just add them up to their holiday and have a sick day here and there. And that, that, that's perfectly acceptable for a lot of people. So, um, yeah, I can't see this four-day week changing and people are still going to take their sick days. You know what? Uh, I'll tell you this, a little bit of TNT trivia. The only, Thankfully, my health's been pretty good since I started working for TNT. The only time I've had off, I had three days off in April 2022. And I'll tell you why. My voice went. It completely went. So when I opened my mouth, there was no sound coming out. So 
with this business that I'm in right now, where I have to talk for a living, just me opening and closing my mouth like a guppy fish uh, for four hours at a time back then uh, was not very good listening for the listeners. So I was told, take some time off until you get your voice back. But yeah, the show must go on. We have to keep uh, soldiering on. Uh, speaking of health, uh, we'll nip across to Africa. Uh, baby deaths, uh, mysterious rise, sorry, in babies born in East Africa with guts on the outside, medical condition. Sky News spoke to a mother who lost her baby to gastro shizzes, a medical condition on the rise in East Africa. Uh, pioneering medic Dr. Ann Wesonga is trying to change the distressing consequences of babies born with this birth defect. Interesting that this is happening all of a sudden. I've traveled an awful lot in that part of the world. I've never experienced or seen any kids with this. A lot of other diseases and sicknesses, yes, but this one seems to be on the rise now. Yeah, it does seem really odd um, that uh, suddenly uh, in East Africa, lots and lots of cases. So whether that could be a side effect of medication, whether it's possibly, you know, something in the water, uh, there is some argument here that they say that because the mothers uh, have not got a great quality of living and they're not feeding themselves properly, possibly malnutritioned, mm -hmm. that could be a reason. Uh, but uh, without immediate treatment, um, the organs will shrivel and the baby will die so basically the organs are all uh the small intestine the large intestine uh the baby is born with them outside rather than inside mm -hmm. mortality rate tends to be in east africa a hundred percent because uh in countries like the uk and the us children were are highly likely to survive uh so this particular doctor is actually uh using um normal medical equipment uh because it's about 200 dollars i think it is to get the uh, specialized mm. equipment that you need to treat it so she's uh, been using normal surgical gloves and urine bags uh, because basically they can't find the money to do it. And she's actually saving some of these babies. Uh, but uh, one of the reasons I wanted to point out this story is that they keep uh, investing money in things like vaccines um, and, and, and we know other medications and pushing them on Africans. Uh, yet this is something that they could actually help. These CeeLo bags, uh, yeah, uh, $200, £157 each. If they could get these, these out to all of the hospitals in East mm -hmm. Africa these babies could be saved Rick but mm -hmm. there's no there's no campaign to do that there is no. almost like they're, they're happy just to let these babies die um and there's as we said a massive increase so why aren't we seeing uh, a campaign why aren't we seeing this in the west why aren't we seeing this story being pushed so these babies can be saved Rick well, here's the thing. There's an old uh, saying in Big Pharma that a uh, uh, patient cured is a customer lost. So there's a lot more money, as you know, uh, you know, your own testimony there about, you know, getting you on the, you know, statins. They wanted to put you on statins and blood pressure regulation tablets rather than saying, yep. you know, what's maybe causing, you know, pressure in your head, causing you tension, headaches. No, here's how we're going to treat you, Natalie, not how we're going to actually prevent it from happening. Questions need to be asked. Well, why is this happening all of a sudden in this particular part of East Africa? And what can we do to prevent it but instead of course the focus in that part of the world at the minute is on malarial vaccine rollouts we covered that last week as well they're chomping at the bit to get malarial vaccines into african kids arm because there's repeat prescriptions there's a lot of money in that helping these kids with the insides born outside their body ain't so profitable so they'll be cast to the side in favor of yeah. mass jab campaigns which we're seeing uh, currently underway in africa for malaria so-called malarial vaccines
And it actually says here, Celo bags are expensive at uh, $200. But if you think about it, $200 would pay for anti-malarial anti medication for 500 babies. And that's where mm. the problem lies. So, mm. uh, you know, it, exactly what you've said. Um, it, it's a, it's about profit and what they can sell. And uh, people are, 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 aren't going to want to save the lives of these babies, especially if it's not plastered all over the mainstream uh, media. And I bet you this is how much power the msn has got if suddenly this story was highlighted over every uh front news headline you would how much money do you think they would get and then how many babies could be saved in east africa it's always about what they put on the front of the papers and uh what virtue signaling story they're going to push and this isn't one of them uh and, and that's sadly the truth and that's where we are at the moment it is uh grim is what it is just a quick Cast an eye over the live chat. Thank you so much, by the way. It's been absolutely buzzing in the live chat here this morning. Uh, just reading out some comments. Uh, Mogden says, my dad died alone in a care home after being a great dad. I will never forget that effort. Uh, Matt Hancock, and he refers to him as something other than Matt Hancock there. Sorry to hear about that, uh, Mogden. Uh, Jethro said, I would have just called in a bomb threat on the nursing home and waited outside for them to bring the old folks out. Well, of course, we can't advocate for that, but you can understand why some people would. Uh, just a bloke who asked questions said, I'm self-employed, no sick pay, no days off ill. Neil Gardner says, I'm the same. Variant says, African baby gut issues, check and see. Has Bill Gates been there? Sad to think he is like the modern day version of the Grim Reaper, minus the white cape. He's just this pasty, white, nasty, flabby individual whose time undoubtedly is coming to an end on this uh, earth. But we'll see what happens with that over the next uh, year or two. Natalie, we're at the end of the show. You're an absolute legend. You got through it without uh, messing up that lovely black shirt of yours with snot. We appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that. I'm sure the viewers appreciate that. I'm sure the studio appreciates that so hopefully uh, you'll be feeling a little bit better tomorrow it's been an absolute blast stay tuned for more locked and loaded after the news we're going to be talking to steve laws and also jane black from the glens of antrim so don't go away tnt today's news talk